0: glory all right we're going to get into our teaching for today hallelujah we are still in the series the church soul battles and deliverance we are still in the series the church soul battles and deliverance The church, the church is those who have been called out of darkness into his marvelous light. The church are the children who have grown up in the household of the father and they have accepted the assignment, accepted the assignment to go out and spread his name. It is those who have decided that I will be light. It is those who have decided I will be salt. It is those who have have, uh, um, made up their mind, I will be an ambassador for Christ. That's who the church is. Saying I accept you, Jesus Christ, as my Lord and Savior does not make you the church. It makes you a child of God. But you have to mature into the church. You have to mature into the church. The church is his body. So wherever the head is, you should be. Whatever the head is speaking, talking about his disposition, you should have it. That's the church. Then we have soul battles. Soul battles come from ignorance of the word or disobedience of the word. Soul battles come from ignorance of the word or disobedience of the word, which leads us to deliverance. 99.9% of the deliverance that is needed in the body of Christ is because of soul battles. It's because I don't know Abba's plan for my life, so I'm just doing life. Or he has given me his plan and I will not accept it. And because of that, you release, because of disobedience, you release hell into your life because disobedience you release hell into your life the bible says that the ways of a transgressor are hard they're not miserable they're not murderous you won't die but you'll just have an extremely difficult life and so in the first part of this teaching series we talked about the church then last week we started talking about soul battles. We started with the miseducation of the soul. The miseducation of the soul. And we dealt specifically with the child of God. Because most people came to church, and when they came to church, uh, when they entered into the doors, when they sat down and when they were taught, they were not taught that you are a child of God. They were taught that I am a member of a church, of a ministry. I'm showing up so I won't go to hell. Come on, hell insurance. That's what we were taught, okay? And if I'm just coming here so I don't go to hell, then what happens is I'm not growing. And in that, I can get complacent because we don't know when he's coming back. I don't know when I'm gonna die. So we get complacent with just having hell and heaven as the agenda of our salvation. So on today, we're going to talk about the miseducation of the soul, but we're going to talk about the classroom. Okay? We're going to talk about the classroom. The classroom is where the teacher teaches and the student shows up to learn. That's the purpose of a classroom. It ain't that deep. It's where the teacher teaches. It's the room where the teacher teaches and the student shows up to learn. So we're talking about the miseducation of the soul, the miseducation of the mind, the miseducation of the heart. And so miseducation, it means to educate, teach, or inform wrongly. When we're talking about miseducation, we have to understand that foundations are important. Whether you're building or whether you're teaching, foundations are important. Educational foundations are where systems and methods of learning are built. It's where our roots, our origin, and our base thoughts come from. Now, in this ministry, under this apostolic assignment, according to Scripture, The foundation of the Bible is simply God wants to be a father. That's it. God just simply wants to be a father. He did all of this so he can become our father. He was God before he said, let there be light. He was God before he created the heavens and the earth. His agenda, Benjamin, was he just wanted to be a father. Adam messed that up jesus came to restore that and if we're not talking taught that way it becomes a miseducation of our soul we are informed wrongly we are taught wrongly and if you are taught wrong your belief system would be wrong i can't teach you the wrong thing and you end up with the right belief system if i don't know his plan Overall, the main concept, then every other thought process becomes a misconception. Whether there is no foundation or the wrong foundation, it still leads to miseducation. The educational foundation establishes The curriculum when I was coming up in church everything was about going to heaven and avoiding hell so most of the messages pretty much all of the messages from the pulpit was about me avoiding sin it was about me watching out for the devil now, that's a miseducation. The truth be told, Satan's supposed to be watching out for me. I wasn't taught that Satan was running for me, that he was scared of me, that he was fearful of me. I was taught to be scared of him, to watch out for him. So what happened? I begin to live my life on eggshells. Whatever I do. I don't want to sin, whatever I do, I don't want to make a mistake. Till I got to the place one time, I was like, God, you can have this, you can have this, I can't do this, I was 10 years in. (laughs) Lord knows how many more years I have to go walking around avoiding mistakes. Every time something don't happen, wondering, it's that sin that I did. It's the mistake that I made. The miseducation of the soul. This is why this ministry is built on the four teaching pillars. Because God is our father. So our four teaching pillars is first relationship. You have to have the relationship first. Second pillar is the kingdom. Because... After you get the relationship, you have to understand as God's child, you have moved into the kingdom. Now you are living your life for the kingdom. This is the miseducation of the soul. We're supposed to have the mind of Christ. Our will is supposed to be given over to the father and our heart is supposed to be engulfed in his kingdom. But if I'm not taught that way, I redirect my heart to another place. So our first pillar is relationship. Our second pillar is, our first pillar is relationship. Our second pillar is the kingdom. Our third pillar is the church. And then our fourth pillar is ministry. So every three, once we're done laying this foundation, every three months we'll rotate through those. For three months, we'll teach on a relationship. For three months, we'll teach on the kingdom. For three months, we'll talk about the church. For three months, we'll talk about ministry. And every year, we'll go around that cycle. And every year, we'll go deeper. And the more and more of those pillars are poured in you, you become a pillar. And the thing about becoming a pillar in, in the Abba's kingdom is once you become a pillar, he does everything he can to make sure you don't move. That's why the blessings come to those who endure. The blessings don't come because you pray. The blessings come because something comes up against the life that is hidden in Christ and you sustain, you become unmovable. So the miseducation of the soul, we're talking about the classroom. Okay. Uh, It's where students learn It's where teachers teach. Now, before I get into the teaching for today, actually, I'm going to pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask right now, Father, that you would teach us, Father. We ask right now that you would raise us to be everything that you have called us to be, everything that you have purposed us to be. Father, we thank you for what you are doing in our lives, Father. We give you total access, Father. Raise us to be the sons and the daughters that you have called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Matthew, chapter 11, verse 25. Before we read that, I want to give you the backdrop of this story. Okay. Uh, Jesus has sent his disciples on a missionary trip. And he comes back and he begins to explain to the crowd the ministry of John the Baptist. And he begins to explain to them that why John the Baptist came, and then he got to the point where he even let them know that if you could really understand and 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 grasp this thing, that John was Elijah. Okay. Then he looked at those he was preaching to. that John did John uh, uh, begin to tell about Jesus? And he began to question how they received him. And so he said that the the way that they received him was in an unresponsive manner. And so Jesus looked and he said, he said, we played the flute for you, but you wouldn't dance. He said, we sung uh, funeral songs, he said, and you wouldn't cry. He's letting them know that I'm teaching. I sent somebody, the father sent someone to inform you, but you're unresponsive. He sent John. He said he sent John, and John came fasting. John came consecrated. John came, and he would not eat, and yet y'all said he was a devil. He said, but then the Son of Man come. I come eating and drinking and hanging out with sinners, and you say I'm a glutton. It don't matter what happened, you're going to have something to say. You are unresponsive to the kingdom. This is what the miseducation of the soul in dealing with the classroom is about. Because when folks don't want to comply, they find a reason not to listen to the messenger. I just said something. When folks do not want to comply, they find a reason to point out the messenger. I can't listen to Charles. I don't like his hair. Surely God did not say he could wear his hair like that. So it becomes a reason, show me, why I can't listen to Charles. I can't listen to show me He's too tall. <laughs> He's too tall. I can't listen to him. It, they find, they're going to always find a reason why they can't listen to you. They're going to find the word, the truth can be coming out of your mouth, but it's going to be your glasses, brother. <laughs> And this, your glasses, gonna why they can't? Because you should be healed of your sight and you shouldn't need them. They're going to find a reason not to hear you. And so Jesus went on, a, had a conversation about the, the, the cities in which they did a ministry tour and how they were unresponsive. And he told them, he said, it would be better for you. If uh, uh, he said that if if Sodom and Gomorrah had heard what you heard, they would have repented. They would still the city would still exist. Had they heard what you now look. This happens right here amongst us. H- had some people heard this message, their life would be better off. When I talk about this message to some people, Miss Mary, you have to understand, they go into depression because they start to think, I've been doing this for all these years. And it's hard to say I've been doing the wrong thing all these years, and I have been wrong. Nobody wants to hear that. But you have to accept that if you're going to change. And so, after all this conversation in verse 25, at this time, Jesus said, Jesus said, talking to his father. He said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and intelligent and revealed them to infants. He said, you have hidden these things. He said, I praise you, Father, that you have hidden these things, these secrets, because I'm preaching of kingdom. John came revealing me and nobody heard. So he said, Father, I praise you that you have hidden these things. You have hidden the kingdom from those who are wise and those who are intelligent. And you have revealed it to infants. Now, what we must understand about the kingdom of God that is inverted. It's upside down, it's inside out. He never does the thing the way the earth does things, the way the world does things, and it's inside out or it's inverted because what he's doing is he's repelling the natural mindset so you could have a spiritual perspective. Because typically, we don't reveal things to infants and hide them. Come on, we don't do that in earth. In earth, we reveal, we give things to the wise and the intelligent. And we say the infant is not ready. But in the kingdom, he says, we give the information to the infant and we hide it from the wise and the intelligent. Because it's inverted. It's upside down. It's inside out. In this kingdom, you got to give to get. In the world, you just got to keep acquiring and and, and hoard it for yourself and you'll have more than everybody else. But the father said not so. He said, if you're going to have in this kingdom, it's going to be because you give. He said, if you want to lead in this kingdom, it's going to be because you served everybody. (laughs) He said, if you are a leader in this kingdom, it's because you're serving everybody. He said, in this kingdom, people can do evil against you, and you have to do good. Why? Because the Father Is not raising, rearing, developing your natural life. Abba is raising Christ. He's not raising your natural man. He's not raising McKinley. McKinley has an expiration date. He's raising the Christ in you. He's developing your spiritual life, Charles. You're going to expire. This is an eternal journey. This is an eternal relationship. It's not with the flesh. So he's hiding things from the wise and the intelligent because they represent the natural man. And he's revealing it to the infant because the infant represents the new life in Christ. The Bible says once you are born again, you can now see in the kingdom. Once you are born again, you can now see in the kingdom. At the infant stage, you start to see in the kingdom. The wisest, wise and intelligent don't mean you can see. In the kingdom. That's why Nicodemus came to Jesus. He was a ruler of the Jews. He knew all the law. He had bishops under him. But yet and still, when he told him, Saddam <laughs> said, he came to him at night and said, I know you're a teacher you to come from God because of the miracles you do. The next thing that came out of Jesus' mouth was, if you want to be huh if you want to be born again you have to see he said well, until you are born again you can't see the kingdom of god he knew what he was asking. he was accent I want to see spiritual the things that you're doing I want to see those things happen jesus just jumped to the chase he said look you have to be born again to see the kingdom and nicodemus with his intelligent self with his wise self with his legalistic self said what i gotta do i gotta enter into my mother's womb again <laughs> he said no nah, you're a killer <laughs> she'll die for sure <laughs> he said that which is born of the spirit is spirit and that which is born of the flesh is flesh So Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things. Jesus didn't hide it. I ain't hiding it. The father's hiding it. He's hiding it until you get poor in spirit. He hides it until you realize you are nepios. He hides it from you. So he said, you have hidden these things from the wise and the intelligent and revealed them to infants. Verse 26 says, yes, Father, because this was your good pleasure. Verse 27, all things have been entrusted to me by my Father. We in the classroom now. The miseducation of the soul is we don't understand what has been entrusted to us by the Father. We don't understand what has been entrusted to us. I know what you're reading. It said he entrusted it to Jesus, but aren't we joint heirs? Oh, now we don't want to be a joint heir. (laughs) Aren't we joint heirs? So if it was entrusted to him, it was entrusted to us. If he's the head, we're the body. If he's our Lord, then what's entrusted to him now becomes our servitude. That's the miseducation of the soul because we think that he just gave us our life and we just after the blessings. We just had a good career, a lot of money, and but the miseducation is something's been entrusted to us. Your life is not your own. Ain't that a scripture? Is that a scripture? Your life is not your own. You've been purchased with a price. He got receipts to tell you, I own you. You belong to me. Now, the blessing behind that is that he, he meets the provision. If he sends you on the assignment, he's going to take care of you. My God shall supply all my needs. All Say needs. Oh, come on. Needs. Say needs. My God shall supply all my needs. My needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. All my needs. My need. What do I need? What did he predestine me to do? That's what I need. Whatever he predestined you to do. He says he wants you to sing. You need a studio. You need vocal. I'm, I got that. I called you to be this. I got that for you. I called you to preach. I'm going to anoint you. I called you to prophesy. I'm going to speak from heaven. I called you to chef. I'm going to give you the skill set to do it. All my needs are met according to his riches and glory. But I first have to understand that I've been entrusted with something. I've been entrusted with something. I have a responsibility. And so he says, all things, all things means each, every, any, all, the whole, everyone, everything. All things have been entrusted to me by my father. No one knows the son except the father. And no one knows the father except the son and anyone to whom the son desires to reveal him. Now, we're not talking about know as in intellectual. We're talking about know as in relational, intimately. All right. It means to be thoroughly acquainted with him. All right. It means to accurately know him, to recognize him, to hear him, to be able to see him. And so the miseducation of the soul is that this is, a, re- this is a, a, a relational covenant. This is a relational covenant. This is not a legalistic covenant. This is a parental covenant. I tell you time and time again that the, you do not have, we don't have a covenant with the father. This is a parental covenant. He decided he wanted children. And now he got to take care of us. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay, if you got kids, you know what I'm talking about. They didn't ask to be here. When they ask you for something, it's not, a, it's not a, a suggestion. They just come to you and tell you what? What they need. That's it. I need some new shoes. Okay, now, who's the responsibility on? On the parent. It's a parental covenant that when you accept the assignment, you see the blessings from it. Verse 28, here we go. The invite. He says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Now, this is an invitation. He says, Come to me. Come to me. This is the teacher talking. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened. Now, in case in case you don't know if that's you, I'm going to read the definition. All right? Weary means to grow weary, meaning you're tired, you're exhausted, you have been toiling, you have burdens, and you have grief. It means that you have been laboring wearis- wearisomely. It means that you have... You feel fatigued. It means you have been toiling. You have been working hard. It means that you have been putting your body through excruciating labor. You qualify? Okay, that's just weary. Heavy laden or burden means to place a burden upon to load as in a vessel or an animal. It means to overburden with ceremonies. It means to load one with a burden of rights, unwarranted precepts, traditions, rituals, It means to have spiritual anxiety. He said, come to me, everybody who's dealing with this. That's all of us, right? It's all of us. The Bible said that he he predestined that we all conform to the image of his son. So Jesus knew the classroom should be packed. (laughs) He knew that the world was his audience. He said, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened. And he said, I will give you rest. I will give you rest. So there's an invitation into the classroom and as you become, when you become a student, there's a promise to receive rest. There's a certification of rest. There's a graduation, a diploma of rest. Rest is, it means to cause or permit one to cease from any movement or labor to recover and collect strength. You need rest? It means to refresh. It means to keep the soul quiet, calm, and patiently expecting. It means to be tranquil, to have peace. So Jesus is saying, if you come to me with your weary and heavy laden condition, he said, I promise you, I'm going to give you rest. I promise you, I'm going to give you rest. The miseducation of the soul because we thought the classroom was so that we can get gifted. We thought the classroom was for prosperity. We thought the classroom was for the anointing. But the classroom, Chad, is for rest. When you completed the course, you get rest. It's kinda like, you remember when we was growing up in a house and we could not wait to get out and get on our own? And as soon as we got out and we got on our own, we lost rest. <laughs> we lost rest, and so what we try to tell our kids: that keep staying rest. Let us handle the bills. Let us do everything that we grow up. Okay, and allow. So when you get out, you you leave rested. <laughs> verse 29 says here we go he says now we got the invitation to the classroom we got those who qualify as the student then we have the promise or the graduation or the certificate or the next level so next Jesus says in verse 29 he says take my yoke And learn from me because I am lowly and humble of heart and you will find rest for your soul. So the invite, when he says, come to me, he says, when you come to me, I want you to do these two things. First, I want you to do is take up my yoke. Now, if you don't know what a yoke is, it's like being handcuffed to somebody. Who's stronger than you? Okay, more powerful than you. It's what they did to animals when they were farming. They connected them at the neck. So, so no matter what, they were all they will both have to go down the same path. So when he tells us to take up his yoke, he's saying, connect in a way that when I move, you move. I knew somebody was gonna say that. I just knew it. I just knew it. I said it when I was teaching it. I said it. <laughs> So when I move, you move, just like that, right? Okay, let's get it out. That's what it means to be yoked, to take up his yoke, is to be connected with him so when he moves, you move. That's why he's the head and you're the body. Because when the head moves, the body moves. This is the dilemma with the church, is they don't understand the church is the body. We have to grow together. One of your arms growing and the other one ain't. One of your legs growing and the other one ain't. One of your toes on one of your feet growing but the other one ain't. We limited, right? Your hands, fingers growing but you ain't got no thumbs. We can't pick up nothing. We're hugging everything. We have to grow together. So he said, yoke yourself to him. A family. A family moves with the father. A vine. Branches don't move. They go wherever the vine go. Whatever the vine is eating, they eat. Whatever the head is eating, that's what nourishes the body. He said, take up my yoke. Then he said, learn of me, which is a process of not just getting to know the person, but to walk as the person did or does. It means to learn by studying. It means to increase in knowledge. It means to use and practice. It means to know him, but not just know his existence. So he says, take up my yoke and learn from me because I am. He's introducing a godlike quality. Because I am. Meek and humble of heart. Now, let's get into the definitions. Meek is, I don't have them up there. I did it on purpose so you can go back and study the message. All right. Y'all be taking pictures, y'all don't even look at them. Okay? (laughs) What? Am I lying? Okay. Not putting the definition up there. Go back, study the message. Meek is the disposition of Christ, it is the disposition of a mature son. This is what the classroom is for. He said, Take up my yoke and learn from me because I am this. So if you are learning from me, it ain't the gifts. It ain't the prosperity. He never had a a healing class. He never had a deliverance class. He never had a class on how to do miracles, but he had a class on meekness. The miseducation of the soul. We in the wrong classroom. We want to be powerful, but not meek. The miseducation is of the classroom. It's the classroom. The teacher is teaching, but are we learning? If you say the Lord is talking to you, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said it like that. If we say the Lord is talking to us, then the first conversation that's coming from his mouth, be meek, because that's what I am. If you're connected with me, this is what you hear. He's not interested in getting you prophetic. He's not trying to get you power to raise the dead. That's not the classroom. The disciples came to him and said, after observing you for all these years and watching you, teach us how to pray. If he was gonna have a class on deliverance, if he was gonna have a class on healing, he would have done it when the disciples came to him and they said, Why couldn't we cast it out? What was the class? What did he tell them? This kind comes out by what? Prayer and fasting. That'd been a perfect time to say, "Just say it like this. Put your hand right there and do it like this." But instead, what did he say? This kind comes out by prayer and fasting. In other words, he was saying, you got to humble yourself. Okay, let's get to it. Meekness is the disposition of Christ. It's a mature son. Meekness means that I accept the father's dealings with me as good. All things work together for the good. So whether it's good, bad, or ugly, I accept it. That is, he is dealing with me. It means that we accept it without disputing and resisting. This is the classroom. If you hear the Lord, this is what he's saying. He's not saying assert your authority in that matter. Unless you're talking about Satan. Which is the only one we don't. Okay, stop. It means that we rely on Abba and not on our own strength to defend against injustices. I took this right out the Greek. This is right in, download Blue Letter Bible, go to the scripture, and just push on meekness, and I'm I'm just reading the definition. I'm not, I'm not embellishing anything. This is the classroom. I have to learn how to accept his dealings as good, no matter what people say, do, or how they act towards me. It's tough, ain't it, Jeremy? But that's how the God come out. I have to accept it without disputing and resisting, which means I got to hear him. Father, why is this (laughs) happening? Father, why is this happening? Why is everybody just telling me off this week? Why every situation I walk into, there's contention and, and conflict. Why, Father? I have to rely on Abba and not with my own strength to defend myself against injustices. To have meekness towards evil people means knowing that Abba is permitting the injuries they afflict, inflict. Let me say this again. To have meekness, it means to have meekness towards evil people. This ain't popular. It's not popular, but it's the classroom. And if you hear the Lord, that's the only way. (laughs) It means Abba is permitting the injury that they inflict. It means that he is doing it to purify his elect. Elect means his chosen ones. If he's chosen you, he's put you in the classroom of suffering. He's put you in the classroom, and he's put you in situations and circumstances because he needs you to learn how to hear him. So you can know when to take the crown of thorns and when to tear up the temple. You have to know the time when it's time to tear up the temple and when it's time to allow somebody to spit in your face. The miseducation of the soul is that everything has to be peachy with us. We're not supposed to go through no problems, no situations, no circumstances. Nothing's supposed to be rough. Everything is supposed to be given to me, handed to me. And anytime I don't get my way, what have I done wrong? It's the classroom. You, need to un- you haven't done anything wrong. He's growing you up. He's raising you because he said he predestined us to conform to the image of his son so that his son would be the firstborn of many brethren. Meekness is proof. Oh, I I, I didn't finish. Hold on. I missed the punchline. To have meekness towards evil people means that obvious permitting the injury they inflict, it means to purify his elect and here it go, here it go, and that he will deliver you in his time. He dropped his glasses on that one. and that he will deliver you in his timing, not in your timing, He will deliver you in his timing. Meekness is proof you trust Abba. Jesus said, I know the Father, and the Father knows me. He said, nobody knows the Father except me, and nobody knows the Son except the Father. You have to get to that place where you know the Father. And if you know the Father, it doesn't matter what situation he puts you in, you trust him. Meekness is proof you trust Abba. Here we go, meekness is the introduction to humility. Meekness is the introduction to humility because he says, learn of me, he said, because I am meek and I'm humble of heart. Meekness is the introduction to humility. So you go to college to get an associate's. The associate's degree is humility. The classroom to get the associates is meekness. You got to sit there until you graduate. Then you go from associates to go get a bachelor's degree. And if you're going to get the bachelor's degree, you have to sit in the bachelor's classes. And when you graduate, that's humility. Then you go to get a master's degree. And the classes of the master's degree are the classes that, of meekness that will lead you to humility. Then you go to get a doctorate. Degree And the classes of the doctorate degree is what gets you the humility. Meekness is a classroom to get you humble. It's a practice. And Jesus said, learn of me. Because this is how I am. This is how I'm functioning. Now, I'm only telling you this because you said you were the body. I'm only telling you this because you said you were a son of God. You were a daughter of God. You were his child. I'm only telling you this because you said you were blessed and highly favored of the Lord. I'm only saying this because we say we hear the Lord. And if we hear the Lord, it has the first start with meekness that leads to humility. Humility is the state or condition of remaining low. It's the state or condition of remaining low or of remaining poor in spirit. It's the state or condition of me being an empty vessel so the Father can be everything in me. Am I teaching? The invite to the classroom of Christ is to have rest for your soul. The only way to get rest for your soul is to to yoke yourself to him and learn meekness and humility. But we don't want that class. That's not the class we want. We want the class that tells us we're going to be a millionaire in six months. We want the class where he's going to put us on a stage in front of millions of people. We want the class where we have a Fortune 500 company and everything is clicking for us. We want the class that brings us influence and affluence. And Jesus is telling us how to get there. This ain't popular, but it's unavoidable. You can't avoid this. This is the only invite. This is the only classroom. Ain't no class for gifts. Jesus never went to a school to cast out devils. He humbled himself to his father, and when he was on a mission, the father told him to do it. He woke up every day and he prayed, give me my daily bread, give me my anointing, give me my power, give me my instructions, give me my revelation, give me everything that you need, Father, for the day. And as he went out into the day, if somebody needed to be healed, it, it, and you know it had to be talking to the Father, because some of the stuff he did, it was just, you don't, you don't spit on another man's tongue, okay? You don't spit on your hand and put on another man's eyes, okay? So you know he had to hear from the Father. That wasn't no classroom. We're not going to have a classroom where we teach you how to heal, and we say, okay, this is what you do. Get some mud, spit on it, and put it on their eyes. (laughs) Meekness is the introduction to humility. Humility It's the graduation ceremony. It's when he releases to you. The Bible says, if you humble yourself, he said, I'll exalt you. Come on. (laughs) Come on. He said, if you humble yourself, he said, I'll exalt you. The disciples came to him and said, who's the greatest in the kingdom? He pulled a child up. He didn't pull an apostle. He didn't pull a prophet. He didn't pull an evangelist. He didn't pull a teacher. He didn't pull a businessman. He didn't pull somebody who was rich out the crowd. He didn't get the rich young ruler. He pulled a, a child and said, if you don't humble yourself like this child, you can't be great in my kingdom. This is the classroom. He said, if you humble yourself under his mighty hands, he will give you a greater grace, which means everything that you do, the wind will be to your back. But he said he resists the proud. He resists the proud. Well, how am I proud? How how did I get prideful? I I, I didn't want to come to class. (laughs) I rejected the classroom. I rejected the lesson. He put me in a situation. They said this about me. They said that about me. And what did I do? I didn't trust the father. You know what that means? You got to retake the course. You going to pass it. He ain't grading on no curve. He might be. But nevertheless, you have to pass it. If you humble yourself, he'll exalt you. If you humble yourself, he'll give you a greater grace. If you humble yourself, he'll make you great in his kingdom. You think he's going to take that back? When the Bible says that not one jot or tittle will be removed from the word, this is the classroom. But the miseducation of the soul is we were never introduced to that classroom. I didn't learn humility in church. You know where I learned humility at? At SAE. School of Audio Engineering, working with men who had actually accomplished something, and they were not prideful. Sitting in studios, Chad, with men who had worked with some of the greatest artists in the world, and all they wanted us to do is know what they know. You would have no idea when you walk in there how they dress, khaki pants, polo shirt, nothing flashy work with every artist in the industry and all they want to do and why they can brag and why they can can shun you because you really shouldn't be in their presence because you ain't on their level. Instead, they set us down and they taught us everything because they wanted to see us great. They emptied themselves out to make other people great. That is why I learned humility. I didn't learn it in the church. Didn't even get a definition in the church. Humility is you emptying yourself out so the father can do everything he wants to do in you. You know where I learned that from? Andrew Murray. I didn't learn humility in the church. The stuff I teach y'all, I didn't learn this in the church. This is 101 time with the Father. This is at the years of going through religion. This is at the years of just knowing the Bible. Not knowing the logos, not knowing the rhema, not knowing that I'm predestined. You know, I was in church for 20 years and no one ever told me I was predestined to adoption. That the whole time... When I was born again, he wanted to adopt me. He wanted me for himself. He wanted me to be his child, and nobody told me that. And I was prideful because I just wouldn't do what the pastor said. But I was an orphan. And it's not that I I, I didn't want to do what the pastor said. I had orphan issues. And the issue was that they couldn't remove it. The pastor couldn't remove it. He didn't know it. He had it too. They had it too. None of us knew. So I'm not like I said. I'm not throwing shade. I'm not blaming nobody. But the thing about it is the miseducation of the soul is that we did not know, and we still pursued destiny. We still pursued purpose. And then when it didn't happen, we said it didn't work. No, we were miseducated. We were taught wrong. We were informed wrong. It was poor teaching. It was poor studying. How can we hear the Lord's voice? Let me tell y'all something. If you say you hear the Lord's voice, then that means if Jesus, and look, I pay attention. I mean, okay. If Jesus came to visit you, if the Lord's speaking to you, the first thing he's going to talk about is his father. The second thing he's going to talk about is he gave his will to his father. The third thing he's going to talk about is the kingdom. Is that not consistent with his constant conversation in the Bible? Why is he going to do that? Because he's trying to get you the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ is I only do what my father tells me to do. So if Jesus appeared to you or Jesus come to talk to you, if he show up in a dream, the first thing he wants to do is get you the mind of Christ. He's going to talk about his father. He's not going to meet you. He's not going to come to you and talk to you about tithes. He's not going to come to you talk to you about offering. Okay. He's not going to come to you and talk to you about sin. Jesus is not coming to talk to you about that. He died for that. He ain't coming to warn you about the devil. He defeated him. If you hear the Lord, this is how you hear. You can't hear the Lord and not hear him talk about his body. If he said the son of man came not to serve, but to not to be served, but to serve and give himself as a ransom. hmm. You say you hear the Lord. That's his conversation. He's telling you what? Show up to serve, not to be served and to give your life as a ransom. Meekness leads to humility. Humility leads to the promise of rest. Meekness leads to humility. Humility leads to the promise of rest because he said, take up my yoke and learn from me because I am lowly and humble in heart. My actions towards people are humility. My actions towards people show meekness. He said, and you will find rest for your soul. He said, you will, pastor, you will. That's a promise. He said, you will find rest for your soul. That's a promise. He said, you will, it will, he said, when you become meek and you become humble, he says, it will cause or permit you to cease from any movement and labor and recover your strength. He said, it will refresh you. He said, if you humble yourself and you practice the meekness, then it will keep your soul quiet. The soul battles are coming from lack of humility. The soul battles are coming from pride. We have arguments in our mind, and they're not against people. They're against the word. The Bible said we wrestle with the the word to our own destruction. This is the classroom. Verse 30, he says, for my yoke is easy. And he said, my burden is light. Come on. Come on now. If you're doing this thing right, (laughs) he said his yoke is easy. And he said his burden is light. Ain't no afflictions. It ain't called, it's like you, the burden is light. It ain't on your shoulders, it's on him. The Bible says that unto us a child is born, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. It's not on yours. If you are properly connected, your life should be easy and light. Even when you're going through things. Why? Because you trust the Father. You got me in this for a reason. Abba, what are you trying to teach me? Because I'm in the classroom what are you trying to teach me yeah everybody walked away what are you trying to teach me (laughs) i told you even even in, in in ministry folks don't show up or or they say they're gonna do something they don't do it or people come and and or whether they do or not it's a test for me it's a test for me are you gonna quit what you going to do when people talk about you? Because if five people talk about you and you're on the run, why would I send you 50? If I give you $1,000 and you don't show up to church, I surely not going to give you $10,000. It don't make sense. So he'll have a period of time where he won't give you nothing because he's cultivating your heart. We went through it. We went through, it. we didn't have nothing. She couldn't find a job with master's degrees. And we like, what did we do wrong? Why, well, because we were stuck in religion. What did we do wrong, Father? Nothing. I'm building you for what's to come. My mama left me. My daddy had been. yes, I'm building you because I'm gonna call you to do something. And when I call you to do it, folks ain't gonna agree with you. I had to start you out when you were young. <laughs> I had to start you out when you were everything you're going through it is to build you for where you're going. I'm used to not being liked. I am used to it. I'm I'm I don't I love it. It's now my new persona. If you like me, I'm wondering what's wrong with you. I'm used to it. Because I have the task of, of delivering a message that nobody wants to deliver. I have the bat, I have the task of, of, of attacking your soul and raising you, and it don't feel good. And some days you leave, you arguing with me, you don't like me, you only want to talk to me. Divine, divine generation, what he ain't. I get it. I'm cool with that. Because I know, like Jesus said, Peter, when you convert it, you're gonna strengthen your brothers. <laughs> That's all I'm waiting for the conversion. They'll be back when they're converted, and they'll strengthen the brothers. Your assignment, who got sent, who in the Bible, who in the Bible got sent on an assignment, and everybody liked them? Nobody. You better put yourself in good company. Who in the Bible had a calling, and they storm, and they story didn't have some turbulence? Who? Nobody. you in the wrong classroom. <laughs> you thought you confused joy with happiness. You confused joy with happiness. You thought the joy of the Lord was your strength than me. You're going to always be happy and you'll be strong because you're happy. No, it's understanding the end, knowing that he knows the end of a thing before the beginning. Knowing that if you suffer with him, you will also reign with him. Knowing that the suffering of this time is nowhere near compared to the glory that is yet to be revealed in us. Knowing that he's going to chastise you and it ain't going to feel good. But in the end, it's going to produce righteous fruit. So you don't mind going through it. Because this is the thing. If you want to be a superstar, you better train like one. When everybody off doing LeBron James, when everybody was off at the club, when everybody was kicking and chasing the girls, what was LeBron James doing? He was practicing. Now, he can buy all the clubs he (laughs) wants. If you live your life as a child, you remain a child. That's profound. If you live, LeBron James did not try to be an adult too soon, so his whole life is a child. It's a game. His whole life is fun. He's a billionaire. He's not, he not even 40. But it was the times when nobody was watching. It was a time when people came up against him. He said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Two more scriptures not I'm out your hair. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 10. For the person who has entered his rest has rested from his own works just as God did. Just as God did. You can quit your your job and get some work. A job is what you do to make money. Work is what you're called to do. LeBron James don't have a job. That's his work. That's what he was created to do. What were you created to do? For the person who has entered his rest, has rested from his own work, just as God did from his. He knows the end from a beginning. He knows the end of a thing before the beginning. He writes the whole book. Then he starts you at the beginning of it and says, you got to, you got to trust me through every chapter. When you trust him through every chapter, you cease from your own work. Because until you trust him, you start to create your own book. And that book is rough. It's rugged. You don't know the pages. You have no hope in it. There's no peace promised. Verse 11. Let us then make every effort. To come to school to show up at the classroom let us make every effort to enter the rest so that no one will fall into the same pattern of disobedience let us make every effort to enter into the classroom so that we can obtain rest so that no one will fall into the same patterns of disobedience let us make every effort. That's a routine. This is planned out. Watch this. What you doing? What are you doing tomorrow? You don't know none, If you don't know nothing else, it might be you're going to work, but other than that, it better be prayer. It better be seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. It better it better be to get in the word. Let us, let me say it again, make every effort to enter into that rest. He wants it more than you want it. Routine is the effort to enter into the rest. If I don't have a routine or a pattern, my pattern becomes disobedience. If I don't have a routine or a pattern to enter into his rest, then my routine or my pattern becomes to be disobedient. And ultimately, this is what damages the soul. This is what damages the soul. Patterns of disobedience. This is what damages the soul. This is where soul battles come. Because I'm not making every effort to enter into his rest, I'm constantly walking into disobedience. I won't study the word and I'll say, Father, give me. And he'll say, Study the word. (laughs) You'll say, give me. He'll say, increase your prayer life. And you won't increase your prayer life. And you'll still say, give me. And he won't change his mind. So you walk away from him because of the patterns of disobedience. And so the patterns of disobedience create soul wounds. Soul wounds become soul battles. In relationships, spiritually and naturally, in ministry and business, even mental clarity for your own assignment. Last scripture, we out. Verse 12 says, For the word of God is living. And it is effective and is sharper than a double-edged sword. It penetrates as far as the separation of soul and spirit, joint and marrow. It is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. In this classroom, while we are being the teacher is teaching, he's also grading. Amen. He's also grading. He said, your thoughts and the intentions of your heart are being judged by the word. Okay. Y'all hear me? I'm closing. The thoughts and intentions of your heart are being judged by the word, which is living and effective and sharper than a two edged sword. So your thoughts, and your intentions of your heart are being judged by the word. We in the classroom, you're being taught. And the word is living, is active, and it's sharper than a two-edged sword, and it penetrates your soul to separate you from three things, the spirit, joint, and marrow. So the word attacks your soul. It tries to penetrate your soul. And if it can't penetrate your soul, then it tells you what you can't have this part of a spiritual life. The word tries to penetrate your soul. And when it can't penetrate your soul, what does it let me know that I'm not properly attached to the joint? Which is his body. The word... Is effectively working and trying to penetrate my soul. Why? Because it's testing my heart and it's testing my intentions, but then it's showing me that I'm not in Christ or mar- marrow. When it's marrow, it's what's in the bone. The Bible says that we are not just Christ's body, we are his flesh and his bones. So the word, even as it's being taught right now, is judging the intentions of your heart. Some people, I ain't doing nothing. He ain't going to tell me. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's judging the intentions of your heart. All I got to do is preach it. That's all I have to do is preach it. The Bible says that he chose preaching to save your soul. <laughs> That's what the words say. The words say he chose preaching, the preaching of the word to save your soul. He didn't choose nothing else. He chose the preaching of the word to save your soul. And then he said he has to be sent. Why he say that, Mr. Mary? So you can't get out of it. You can run to whoever you want to, but when he sent someone to your soul, you can't leave that classroom. That's why I preach the way I preach. Run, duck, do whatever you want to. You'll be just like Jonah. You'll show back up with whale breath. You'll show right back up smelling like whale breath. You can't get out of the call. This is the classroom. Miseducation of the soul. He's trying to get you meek. He's trying to get you humble because he's trying to give you rest. When you rest from your works, then the life that he has for you kicks in. The Bible says that our life is hid with Christ. Is hid. Hmm. He hides these things from wise and intelligent people. Oh, the life that is hid that in Christ is hid. He hides things from wise and intelligent people. The life in Christ is hid, and he hides things from wise, intelligent people, but he reveals it to the meek and the lowly. Get in the right classroom. Get in the right classroom. Read the right books. Look for the right information. Look for the stuff that's going to teach you how to be meek. Then he'll advance your revelation. Look at the stuff that's going to teach you how to be humble. Then he'll make you greater. Look for the things that are going to humble you so that he can exalt you. Don't look for the easy break. Don't look for the easy way out. Amen. Hallelujah. Let us pray. Let us stand and pray.